0: A reading from Haggai, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. The word of the Lord. Well, Good morning. God bless you, everyone. It's good to be with you today. Worship team, thank you for preparing our hearts and our minds. And Nate, thank you for reading that scripture for this morning. Today I want to talk to you about obeying the voice of God. I heard this uh, funny story about a pastor and a song leader that weren't getting along. In fact, their conflict started to spill over into the services On one Sunday, the pastor had a message about giving, and the song leader finished the service by leading the song, Jesus Paid It All. Another Sunday, the pastor had a message about holding our tongue and not gossiping, and the song leader finished uh, the service by singing, I Love to Tell the Story. (laughs) And finally, the pastor couldn't take it any longer and he resigned, and he stood up in front of the congregation. And he told them, I listened and obeyed the voice of God when he brought me to this church, and I'm listening and obeying the voice of God as he's telling me to leave. And the song leader got up and finished with the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, this is a very simple prayer from a simple man. I've been praying to you for some time now to bring focus and clarity to this message to speak to our hearts, that we could uh, open up our minds and our hearts to be receptive to your voice, your whispers, your nudges, your suggestions, the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want you to take this service over. I want it to be your voice, not mine. Speak to us this day what you would want us to hear. In your name we pray. Amen. So last week, Rick opened up this series in the book of Haggai, and we find that the people of Judah have been spiritually dead for 16 years. They were exiled for 70 years because they didn't want to obey God. They didn't want a king over them uh, that God picked. They wanted their own king. And so God allowed other kings from other nations to come in and take them captive and But one touch, one favor of God's hand on this king named Cyrus of Persia, he nudged King Cyrus to let the people of Judah go back to Jerusalem and to build God's temple so he could be present with them, he could reside with them. And so God's people obeyed. The people of Judah went back to Jerusalem. They began to build the temple, they started with building the temple foundation, and then it stopped. The construction stopped. What's interesting is that the book of Haggai doesn't really explain why it stopped, but you have to read the book of Ezra. And Ezra gives you the backdrop, the backstory of what really happened, why the people stopped. And what's interesting is it doesn't say that they become dumb, fat, and happy. It doesn't say that they stopped because they ran out of materials. It says, in a sense, they stopped because they didn't listen to the voice of God and they didn't obey him. In Ezra chapter 4, it says that the people living in the land, not the people of Judah, but the people living in the land didn't want the temple to be built, and so they brought trouble upon God's people. They discouraged them. They harassed them. They intimidated them. They brought lawsuits against them. It says they hired attorneys to file a cease and desist orders and to file injunctions. And what happened to God's people is... They become scared and intimidated and discouraged. They became compromised. And they stopped listening to God's voice. And for 16 years, the temple project was abandoned and God's house laid in ruins. And there's been no worship of God for 16 years, there's been no sacrifices. And so these people are spiritually dead, there's no spiritual life. Because all of those things centered around the temple. That's where God dwelt. And what do people do when they don't focus on God? They focus on themselves. And God's people started to focus on themselves. Instead of building his house, they built their houses. They built their careers. They chased after the toys in their lives that they wanted. And Haggai comes on the scene not to to punish them and not to sort of put the hammer down on, him, on them. He comes to encourage them, because that's how God is. And Haggai says to them, hey, your priorities are upside down, as Rick said last week, your priorities are upside down. In fact, he said, your priorities are so upside down that you have taken, you have taken the paneling that was imported from Lebanon, designed and intended to decorate the interior of God's house, You've confiscated it, and you've used it in your own houses. And he said, "You're impacted." If you remember in chapter five and six, or excuse me, in verse five and six of uh, chapter one of Haggai, Haggai says, "Consider your ways; you sow much, but you reap little. You're eating, but you're still hungry. You're drinking, but you're you're still thirsty. You're making clothes, but you're still cold." And then he says this, he said, you earn wages, but it's like putting your money into bags with holes in it. Have you ever felt that way? You earn some money and then all of a sudden it's gone, you're like, where, where did that go? I feel like that way when I go to Costco. <laughs> I mean, Jody sends me to Costco for three or four or five items, I think I'm going to spend 70 bucks, I end up spending 370 bucks, and I'm like, what happened? And basically what he's saying to these people as he's encouraging him, is he's saying, you're unfulfilled because you're not in agreement with God. You're not walking with God. And in this particular account, we see that they are impacted monetarily and materially, but for sure when you're not walking with the Lord, you're not listening to his voice, you're not obeying him, you're impacted spiritually. There's no peace in your life. You have this unrest. There's no purpose. You, you know how I many people wake up in the morning, they go to work, and they're like, what, am I gonna do this the rest of my life? Is this all there is? There's no purpose. There's no direction. And the lesson we can learn from that for sure is that there will always be an impact on your life if you're not walking with the Lord. But Haggai, he encourages them, and he says to them, the Lord declares, I am with you, and I want to tell you that this morning that just like the Lord declared that to the people in Haggai's time in 520 B.C., he's declaring that today to us. He is with you. The question that we have to answer this morning is this question, whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to God's voice or are you listening to man's? Many times we don't realize when God's speaking to us, We don't have a Haggai, we have the Holy Spirit, because we are the temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? That's God in us, his believers. And like what happened to God's people during Haggai's time, we can become discouraged, we can become distracted, we can become frustrated, we can... Allow God's voice to be drowned out, choked out by things that are around us. TikTok, Instagram, ChatGPT, Facebook, 24-7, CNN, Fox News, Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, the careers we go after, the toys that we chase in life. They can... Snuff out the voice of the Lord. We have to be sensitive to his voice. He's not going to be loud with us. He's not going to shout. God speaks to his believers through the Holy Spirit, his still, small voice. The Bible describes it as a gentle whisper. And in this noisy world that we live in, we have to pay attention to that gentle whisper. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah was in a difficult place. He just called down fire from heaven and destroyed 450 of the false prophets of Baal, one of his greatest victories. But when the king's wife Jezebel heard about all the men that they had lost, she was furious. She went after him, she intended to kill him. He ended up hiding in a cave discouraged and afraid. He needed direction, and God told him, go stand on the mountain that I'm going to pass by. In verse 11, it reads this, there was a great and powerful wind that tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks. When you step back from reading that verse, you think, surely that's God. Surely that's God, that powerful God that we know. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible goes on to say that God was not in the wind. After the wind, there was a great earthquake, something even bigger that split the ground open, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a great fire that consumed everything, but God was not in the fire. After the fire, the scripture says, there came a gentle whisper. That's God telling us how he speaks to us. Are you sensitive to God's whisper? In the original language, the word obey means to give ear to. Six times in the Gospels, Jesus said, He that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Everyone has ears. He's not talking about our physical ears, he's talking about our inner ear. He's asking and saying, Are you sensitive to my whisper, my gentle voice? I'm not going to shout. I'm not going to be loud. God's not forceful. He's not going to override your will, what you want to do. He'll lead you by these gentle whispers, the still small voice. But you know, it's easy to ignore it. It's easy to push it away and push it down. But if you'll start obeying these promptings, as the Bible calls them, these suggestions, these nudges from the holy spirit in psalms 32:8 the lord says this i will guide you along the best path of your life in one translation of the bible god's voice the holy spirit is described as a suggestion or an impression something that we suddenly know we're supposed to do or not do when we have these impressions on the inside a prompting say to be good to someone it just comes out of nowhere. We see a coworker, and suddenly we have a desire to be good to them. We feel compassion on someone and uh, something says, just let them know that you care. We might think these are random thoughts, but they're not random thoughts. That's God speaking to you. But if we're not being sensitive to the gentle whispers, to his voice, we can let the louder noises in this world drown it out we can let our brains talk ourselves out of it our thinking can say that's not god that doesn't make sense that's not rational we'll be tempted to reason it out our brain and our intellect will say that person looks fine they look like they're doing good they don't need my encouragement but don't ignore the whisper obey God wouldn't have given you that impression if that person didn't need some encouragement from you. Years ago, there was a young man who was a new believer, and he was sitting in church. And he looked across the sanctuary, he saw this woman, and something inside of him said so strongly, go give her a gift. He felt this impression to be good to her, but his mind said, you don't even know the lady. She looks like she's doing fine. She doesn't need your money. He came up with all kinds of excuses, excuse after excuse, and he kept putting it off. He looked in his wallet, and the only money he had in his wallet that day was a $5 bill, and he thought, I am not going to go over to that lady and give her a $5 bill. That would be embarrassing. During the service, there was this debate taking place between his head and his heart. And the longer he waited, the more miserable he was. He knew he was supposed to do it. And finally, he got up his nerve after the service. He went over to her and said, Ma'am, I don't know you and you don't know me, and this may seem kind of strange, but I feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. He placed the $5 bill in her hand. And she looked at it and started crying. She said, I only had enough gas money to get to church this morning, and I have been praying, God, please give me the money to make it back home. She hugged him and said, you're my miracle. God knows what he's doing. He can see things that we can't see. He's orchestrating things behind the scenes that we can't see. He's connecting the dots, and we don't even know there's dots to connect. Don't talk yourself out of it. When you obey that still, small voice, God will use you to brighten people's days. He'll use you for his purpose. And any time you obey, there is a blessing. A blessing will always follow. It may not be immediate. It may not be direct. But there's a blessing. And I wonder how much higher we would go, how much more of God's favor we would see in this world if we would just obey. Not argue with him. Not try to reason it out. Not come up with excuses. When the people of Judah stopped obeying, They were spiritually dead for 16 years. There were no blessings. Their lives were unfulfilled. Many years ago, uh, Jody and I were living some of the best years of our lives. Our children were attending school here in Tremont. We loved the neighborhood we lived in. They had a great friend group. They were participating in extracurricular activities and summertime activities like softball and baseball. Our marriage was going well. I would even say it was thriving at that time. My career was going well. We loved the little house we were living in. Life was good. And one day I came home from work. I walked into the kitchen and Jody is, was uh, washing dishes at the kitchen sink. And she turned and looked at me. I still had my briefcase in my hand. I still had my suit on. And she said, about an hour ago, you got a call from the church. And they want you to consider taking the job as principal of the school attached to the church's children's home in Leo, Indiana. And they said, with your training and background, you'd be a perfect fit. They're having a really hard time finding somebody. And then she said, but I've prayed about it and we're not going. (laughs) She gave me permission to tell that story. To this day, Jody and I often talk about how our thoughts overrode the spirit. How we probably have missed out on blessings moving to Indiana. Yes, there's been blessings here, no doubt. Our mind was telling us that doesn't make sense. Why would you uproot your family and move to Indiana? Your, life is going well. It doesn't make sense to make less money and have less benefits. It doesn't make sense to step back in life when you've been working so hard to move forward in life. We didn't listen to the whisper. Jody calls it quenching the spirit. Listen, God wants to lead us down the best path for our lives. And if we're sensitive to his voice and we pay attention to our inner ear, there's really no limit that God can take us. Oftentimes, we think God only talks to us about the big things in life, like salvation, redemption, doctrine, sanctification, moving your family to Indiana. But God talks to us about the everyday things in life, the practical things in life. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, Isaiah said, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel... You shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What is Isaiah saying? Isaiah is saying God is a rewarder to those who obey his voice. Not with just the big things in life, but the everyday practical things. Hey, you need to make a call to that person and give them some encouragement right now. Hey, you need to be more disciplined with your spending. Don't buy that. Hey, you need to walk away from this relationship That person's pulling you down. You need to stop that habit. That's not healthy for you. When God speaks to us and he asks us to walk away from someone who's pulling us down or to stop a habit that we know is ruining our health, we realize he's not trying to take something from us. He's trying to get something better to us. We'll be more sensitive to the knowing that's deep inside of you I know I need to eat healthier. I know I need to shut off the TV and get some sleep. I know I need to turn off the cell phone and spend time with my kids. I know I need to be more patient with my spouse. I know I need to slow down on the freeway. That knowing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, our guide. It convicts us. It directs us. Not just in the big things, but in the small things. The I knows our God talking to us. He's speaking to us. Don't dismiss it. Don't put it off. If we obey these promptings, these nudges, these suggestions, God will keep us out of trouble and will avoid unnecessary headache and heartache. Not too long ago, I was consulting with a school district in South Carolina. It happened to be the school district in Walterboro, which is where the Murdoch murders took place that was spent on the news over the past year. It's in Colleton County, South Carolina. It's called the Low Country. There's a lot of swamp land, there's a lot of back roads that connect these small towns. After a long week of meetings, I was ready to get home and I typically fly out of Charlotte, North Carolina and take the direct flight back to Peoria. But I wanted to fly out of Columbia, South Carolina to avoid all the media and the press that was covering the Murdoch murders. Well, the maps on my phone recommended that I take the back roads. It was a Friday afternoon. I had worked a long week. I'd made good money. I felt like I had an impact. It was a beautiful day. I was going home. I was on the back back roads and no one was on the back roads. And I thought, this isn't my car. This is a rental car. I'm going to put the pedal to metal. I'm going to hammer this thing. I'm going to see what this thing can do. I'd tell you how fast I was going, but my mom's sitting in the audience. As I was flying with that rental car, there was a voice deep inside of me that was saying, slow down, slow down, slow down. But my mind was saying, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. No thanks. I came up on this semi who was going the speed limit and I zipped right by that speed limit and a semi and on the other side was the sheriff and the sheriff pulled me over and said I'm going to help you out today I'm going to help you slow down I thought all right I'm just going to get a warning no I got a ticket for $200 I've been driving 55 miles an hour for the past six months. God was telling me to slow down, but my brain, my intellect, was telling me to go fast. We know God says, go out into all the world, like Todd and Hannah, and share the good news. But God also says, slow down on the road. Be kind to your coworker. Stop being sarcastic to your spouse. Don't take that business deal. Something's not right. And one way we know it's God is because it doesn't go away. It keeps coming up again and again. There it is, that suggestion in the middle of the night. I wasn't even thinking about it, and there it is. That's God wanting to get our attention. The scripture says that God leads us through promptings. One version says suggestions or nudges. God won't force you to do something. He won't override your will, but he'll suggest it. He'll nudge you. Hey, give the five bucks. Hey, slow down on this road. It's up to us, and I've learned the more we obey, even in the small things, the more blessings that we have, but we will get stuck, you'll get stuck, if you argue with God about everything, if you come up and make excuses. In 2 Kings chapter 5, there was a man named Naaman. He was a captain in the Syrian army, a very well-respected man, an influential man, but he had leprosy, an incurable disease. A young lady who worked for him in his household said, Naaman, if you go to the prophet Elisha in Israel, he will pray for you and you will be healed. Naaman took the young lady's advice and he traveled a great distance. He showed up at Elisha's house, but Elisha didn't go out to meet him. Elisha didn't pray over him. Elisha sent his assistant out to Naaman and said, tell Naaman that if he washes in the Jordan River 7 times he'll be healed. Naaman was offended. He thought, "Does he know who I am? Does he know how far I have traveled? And if I'm going to wash in a river, it's not going to be the Jordan River. That's filthy. That's disgusting. There's much cleaner rivers back home where I come from." He came up with all these excuses. That doesn't make sense. That not that's not logical. God's not going to explain everything that he asks us to do. That's where faith comes in. We just have to listen. We have to obey. Naaman almost missed his miracle. He turned around and was ready to go back home when his assistant said, Naaman, if Elisha were to ask you to do a hard thing, you would have done it. Why don't you do this small thing? Naaman said, I thought Elisha would come out and wave his hands over me, and like magic, I'd be whole. He had this preconceived idea of how God was going to do it, but you can't put God in a box. Naaman didn't want to do a small thing, but I've learned that small acts of obedience lead to big blessings. I can imagine when Naaman got into the river, he thought, this is dirty, It stinks. I don't want to be here. Everything in his mind was saying, you're wasting your time. This isn't going to make any difference. And if you allow it, your mind can talk you out of God's best. Naaman dipped down in the water the first time. I'm sure he came up. He looked at his skin. Nothing happened. He dipped down the second time. Came up. Nothing. The third time came up. Nothing. The fourth time came up. Nothing. I can imagine he thought, surely, if this was going to work, that my skin would start changing. I have done the right thing four times in a row, and there's no changes. I've done exactly what the prophet Elisha said to do. I am not any better. He was discouraged. He felt like going back home. He dipped down the fifth time, no change. He dipped down the sixth time, no change. What's interesting is Naaman didn't have the faith that it was gonna happen. He wasn't singing praises to God. He wasn't thinking, God, that the answer was gonna come, the healing was gonna come. He was complaining, he was negative, but he obeyed. He dipped down that seventh time, and when he came up, his skin was clean, soft, healthy. Here's my point the healing wasn't in the water. If it was, he would have been healed the first dip. The healing was in the obedience. And I wonder, could it be that your healing will come when you obey? The healing of peace that will come to you when you finally obey the Spirit who's been telling you to forgive that person who hurt you so many years ago. The healing of the emotional heaviness that can be lifted when you let go of bitterness that you've been holding on to, the healing that can come to your marriage when you obey the Spirit that's telling you be quick to listen, be slow to speak, don't get so angry at your spouse. Be sensitive to the gentle whisper, the promptings, the impressions. The reason God whispers to you is because He's close to you. You don't whisper to strangers. You don't whisper to people you barely know. You whisper to your spouse. You whisper to your children, people you know and you love. That's God whispering to you. You're his child. He loves you. He wants the best for you. In Psalm 25, it says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. When you honor God, he'll tell you secrets. He'll whisper things in your inner ear. He'll give you insight that you otherwise wouldn't have known. You don't know how you know it. You can't explain it. You just know. Sometimes we hear about people getting into trouble for insider trading. That means somebody on the inside of the company is giving information to somebody on the outside of the company about something that's going to affect the price of the stock. And that way, they can sell or buy more stock. They have an advantage because they have inside information. That's what God does for us. He knows where the good breaks are, and he knows when we need to put on the breaks. He knows what deals to take, what contracts to sign, what relationships to get into, and he knows which ones to stay away from. Sometimes you'll be in a situation, and everything looks fine on the surface, but you have an unrest and uneasiness in here, and an alarm is going off, something is saying, this isn't right. Stay away from that person. Don't take that business deal. Don't take that job. It's not the right timing. Don't move forward with that project right now. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't overanalyze it. Just obey. When Jody and I bought the land to build our house that we live on currently, we wanted to pay off the land and we wanted to get ourselves in a financial good financial position to build the house. We worked really hard. We sacrificed. We got to a point where we were debt-free and we had cash built up in reserves and we had some equity in our small house in Tremont. All the boxes were checked on the surface. It looked good to build. But one day, while I was at work, Jody called me unexpectedly out of the blue, and she said, I know that we're ready to build our house, and we're in a good financial position. We worked hard, but I was reading scripture this morning and praying, I have this strong impression that we're supposed to wait. Well, it didn't make sense to me. I was ready to build. On the surface, everything looked good, but... In here, for Jody, there was an alarm going off. Well, I've learned you don't argue with Jody. I didn't challenge her. I said, okay, we'll wait. I didn't realize we'd be waiting for seven years. Seven years later, we're sitting at the dinner table in our small house in Tremont. And I remember we looked at each other and smiled and we said, we're so content in this small house. We could live here forever. We decided to put the dreams of building our home on the shelf and just enjoy being content in a small house. Within a few days of that dinner conversation, there was a couple that came to our house who had never been at our house before. They instantly fell in love with our house and asked if we wanted to sell it. I said, no, we we don't have any plans to build. In fact, we've sort of put that on the back shelf for a while Within an hour of that couple who had never been to our house before, they gave us such an offer we couldn't refuse. They paid us double the amount that we bought it for. And on top of that, they said, you can live in your house for a year and not disrupt your family as you build your new house. That's inside information. We could never have dreamed that that would be offered to us. God gives us inside information. He sees things that we can't see. But many times, when we look back over our life, we reflect on the mistakes we made, the disappointments, the failures. If we're honest, most of the time, we can see how God tried to warn us. We felt an uneasiness. We knew something wasn't right. But we wanted it our way so badly We overrode it. We got into a relationship we shouldn't have got into. We moved forward on a project that he was telling us to put the brakes on. We took or left a job when he said, it's not the right time to do that. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't come up with excuses. God is saying to us what he said to the people of Judah when they had lawsuits filed against them. They had cease and desist orders. They had injunctions. They had trouble brought upon them. He is saying, I am with you. In the book of Ezra, as we read about the pressures, the social pressures, the legal pressures that were placed on God's people that caused them to stop building, start listening to the voice of man, we find that they became discouraged and they forgot that God was with them. They became spiritually dead. Their priorities became upside down and they became compromised. Will you be compromised? Will you fold? Will you give in? Will you stop listening? Will you stop trusting? Will you stop obeying God's voice in this generation of our culture that we live in? Or will you be like Gerald Groff, who listened to God's voice? He obeyed God's voice. He didn't compromise with social pressure and legal pressure. Gerald Groff is a Christian who began working for the U.S. Postal Service after years of missionary work in Africa and Asia. After time spent on the mission field, he wanted a career that would allow him to keep the Sabbath for attending church and resting. And since the mail wasn't delivered on Sundays, the job working for the U.S. Postal Service seemed like a pretty safe bet. But everything changed in 2013 when the U.S. Postal Service signed a contract with Amazon to deliver packages on the weekend, including Sundays. All of a sudden, Gerald was required to work on Sundays, but he was convicted to keep the Sabbath a day of worship and rest. His supervisors initially exempted Gerald from working on Sundays as long as he found somebody to cover for him But over time, the attempts to find somebody to cover for him didn't work out. And by 2018, Gerald had missed 24 Sunday shifts, and disciplinary measures began to mount. Eventually, Gerald was denied requests to take Sundays off to observe the Sabbath. Gerald fought a lawsuit all the way to the highest court in our land, the Supreme Court predicated on the fact that employers must make religious accommodations for employees. And he won. The Supreme Court ruled in Gerald's favor just a few days ago, on June 29, 2023. Gerald didn't listen to the voice of man. He listened to the gentle whispers who declares, I am with you. God is looking for people like Gerald, He's looking for people who are listening to his voice and obeying his voice. People like Todd and Hannah, that at the slightest impression, the smallest suggestion, when God says go here, they go. When he says bless that person, they bless them. When he says change in that area, they change. When God says don't compromise the Sabbath, they don't compromise. They don't argue, they don't make excuses they don't override it, they don't talk themselves out of it, they just obey. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for being with us this morning and may our hearts and our head now be open and receptive to your spirit, your gentle whispers, your nudges, your suggestions to help us even in the practical things in life, to guide us and direct us and console us. We thank you for the ultimate gift of salvation, for dying on the cross so many years ago to give us a hope of living with you in heaven. We thank you so much for the blessings and for this congregation that we can come together and worship you. Walk with us, Lord, this week. Guide us with your spirit. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. May you go in peace and have a wonderful week.